Yes, I'm Dutch. Dyslexia, audio transmission. Welcome to Dis and Dash, another episode uh, from the Dyslexia Association of Ireland. I am Amy Smith. Hi, and I'm Donald Ewing. Uh, we are delighted to welcome along Julie to the podcast this week. I'm going to let Julie introduce herself, but Julie is dyslexic, uh, a very successful professional, and she's going to be sharing with the podcast about uh, a range of things, including being dyslexic, what it's like to be dyslexic, and also studying about dyslexia, which is going to be interesting to hear about. Welcome to the podcast, Julie. Thank you very much for having me here in Dyslexic Ireland today. It's great to have you. It's very warm in the Dyslexia Association office today, but we've got our drinks, we're sorted. So um, we're going to have the big reveal, Amy. Could you get the magic hat out? Would that be possible? Yeah, I'm just going to lumber down to get the magic hat now. Seems heavier than it was before. It's so filled with dyslexia questions, Donald. So we just do you want to have a rummage around the dyslexia hash there. Okay, Amy, after you, you you kick off. There we go. So um, this is a nice one to kick off with, uh, Julie. Who are you and what do you do? Oh, I think that's the most difficult one to kick off with. It's very hard to talk about yourself. <laughs> but uh, my name is Julie. And I am a physical education teacher in a primary school. Uh, obviously, I'm qualified secondary because there's no such thing as primary school PE teachers. So I work in a primary school um, around the Dublin area. So, Julie, can you tell us a little bit about how you found out you were dyslexic? Can you tell us a bit about that? Uh, when uh, I was seven or eight, I thought that there was something wrong. I had been in hospital for a little while and I came back to school and I couldn't catch up. So I know mom and dad felt there was something going on and the teachers had kind of called them in and asked, would I stay back in first class? Um, and they, they put it to me and I made the decision that I should stay back. Now, nobody ever kind of put down the word that it was dyslexia or there was something. They just kind of felt maybe the gap from school had um, put me on the back foot. So they wanted just to give me an attempt to do it again. And it was actually, it was great fun because I got to make the decision if I wanted to make my communion that year or the year after. So I decided I'd make it the first year. So the second year when I went to make my communion, my mom put me in a yellow, do- yellow big polka dot dress, like the most inconspicuous dress that you could see, you know, and everyone was like, but she's in her class. Why isn't she making her communion, you know? Very Maybe, fashion forward. Oh, very fashion forward, very obvious. So, you know, that was a, a big memory of staying back in first, which, you know, wasn't a problem. Um, and then mom and dad kind of knew that there was something wrong and the teachers kind of input and about six class I started going for assessments so in six class then the whole regime of trying to find out what was up started um unfortunately at the time uh, they told me that well they couldn't put a word in it and they didn't say it was dyslexic I think my my poor mom mm. got a few very upsetting remarks and was told that maybe it wasn't right that I was in a normal national school and I should be put somewhere else for a little while to see how that was going so that was quite upsetting for her unknowns to me because I loved life and loved school so it didn't really matter and um, then pushing forward in secondary school I actually went to a boarding school which um, was brilliant for me it was it was great to, to have my routines and all my studies in one place but then that's the story for later so uh, in, the, in first year in school mom brought me to another psychologist um, and they told me that it probably was dyslexia and that I'd be I'd be lucky to get the group cert and I actually had to ask my mom what 
the group search was that didn't mm. know but uh, I don't even know if it's still been run out there but it's another form it's like the leaving search applied I suppose for junior search and that's as far as they told me I'd go um, in that sense so when they um, so mom said okay we'll keep trucking we'll keep going with it um, and then uh, she found a different psychologist that she actually found uh, really good and brought me to them and they diagnosed dyslexia and you know just kind of mom went forward with all the tutoring and all the rest of it so it was I suppose in second year of school I was given the diagnosis and then in third year they had to go back and get my exemption from Irish and things like that but yeah that was the last kind of news on that. I think the process well hopefully has changed an awful lot now than back in the day because I, I feel that the psychologist maybe didn't really have an understanding of how parents would feel and how you know, to hear different reports and not to be told that it's dyslexic, to be told that it's something more than that. Mm. So I think I think it's it's out there now. But I was also diagnosed with scotopic sensitivity, which gave me the rose-coloured glasses to wear okay. in school, which I found really did help me at the time because I was suffering from migraines, which are linked to stress, and I suppose that was all part of the dyslexia as well. So they kind of took the glare off the page and kind of gave me extra reading. I actually found them the other day gas like just... you didn't fancy popping them on just having a wee go no oh, I did well I put them on for the crack but like oh I definitely wasn't going to read something with them they were they, oh they were I, I don't know how I didn't get slagged to the whole mighty for them <laughs> you obviously looked lovely in them. oh so cool can you imagine sitting in your uh, third fourth year classroom with your rose coloured glasses on oh, I'm glad they have sheets over the pages now <laughs> So I suppose now, um, it, kind of that was a, a difficult kind of experience in terms of your diagnosis and finding out um, around your dyslexia. Do you think that your dyslexia affects you differently now that you're a grown up, or or do you think that it kind of affects you in different ways in your job? Uh, yes. Well, I suppose I wasn't aware of how it affected me when I was older. I wasn't aware that different people's brains work differently. You know, I was just trying my best and getting through it. Now I know I wasn't top of the class, but I was you know struggling on and worked very hard and tried to achieve as much as I could I didn't know any different I think um as an adult now um we haven't mentioned it yet but I'm doing a master's at the minute in dyslexia and I've learned um how the brain works and how we read and that to me is quite upsetting in a way just to know that yes I do struggle a lot more than other people and I, I do have different things and, and if things have been put in place at a younger age I might have been able to combat this a little bit better and that wasn't from anybody not wanting to help or, but they just didn't know what to do you know people just don't know what to do yeah so affecting me in later life well I think I'm a more practical person now and I think dyslexia has helped me be more practical you know, I have to think outside the box in a lot of things. Yeah, absolutely. And I think we find that a lot, um, like their stats are in kind of dyslexics that are entrepreneurs or sometimes they call dyslexia the NASA gene because obviously it's one in 10, but in NASA it's up to 50% of kind of any given intake um, into NASA is dyslexic. So it does kind of sometimes give you those skills. Really, to maybe I'll apply to NASA. <laughs> 
You and me, we could get you a rose-coloured visor. It'd be lovely. I'd be happy to sit beside you in the spaceship. Oh, We'd be really? having a great time oh, to ourselves. Rose-coloured visor. <laughs> um, just, I suppose, in terms of school, uh, was there a teacher that really helped you or kind of helped you to understand you, the way that you learned, um, even if they didn't have, I suppose, the language that you would now have from your master's? Um, well, I suppose, yes, so many teachers tried. Like, they... they all they wanted to do was help. Um, I know in primary school I had the, the resource teacher, um, Mr. Watson was his name, he was a fantastic man. Um, and I used to go out to him all the time. I don't know, just to hang out. I don't really know what we did. We, we tried to learn, but you know, I can't really remember back that far. And then in secondary school, I suppose there was a few, a few teachers, but then there was also a lot that you know, would have affected my confidence a lot and told me that I wasn't able for certain subjects and I should drop down to pass grades and all these things that you'd love to go back to them now and tell them where you are and tell them what you're doing and say, hey, maybe I have more faith in people. But, you know, many teachers tried and I suppose the biggest influence in my life in, in getting through it is my mum and dad. My dad would be extremely hardworking and my mum doesn't take no for an answer. So, you know, whatever you want to do if it was like oh no Julie won't be able for that mum would say yes she is and I would succeed so I was very lucky to have the family support yeah absolutely I'm really really liking the idea of going for a glass of wine with Julie's mummy actually <laughs> oh, oh definitely <laughs> so can I ask Julie now you're on the uh, well you're still dyslexic obviously but you also have a foot in the other camp you're a teacher now and you have uh, young people on a daily basis that you're working with some of whom will be dyslexic do you think it's changed how you work with them, how you kind of approach them? Well, yes and no. It hasn't changed massively yet because I suppose, um, and another story, the reason I got into teaching was to help dyslexic children. And I haven't been able to do that to the level I want yet because I'm a physical education teacher. So yes, I can teach kids social skills and I can work on their self-esteem. And I, I do feel cross-body activities and making kids um, whole-brained, if, if that's what we do, mm. is very important for the classroom. And, you know, I do know a lot of children who are dyslexic um, and I, I try and work on their everything, their self-esteem, their putting them, you know, all that kind of stuff. But I'm not where I want to be yet. Um, <clears throat> when I was in sixth year in school, I suppose that was my other, you know, meeting with a psychologist, my last meeting, my, my fourth meeting when a gentleman from the Department of Education came out and he was um, conducting an interview to all the other boys and girls who had never met a psychologist before in their lives and were looking for help with their leaving cert, either be a reader or a scribe or whatever they were looking for. They hadn't been diagnosed because, um, unfortunately for maybe those uh, boys and girls, that the, their parents weren't able to afford to pay for their assistance and all that kind of stuff. They have more pressing needs than... I said, he sat down with me and he went through it all. And I said, sorry, when we we're finished, I said, excuse me, I just said, is this the first that my friends have seen of a psychologist or someone like this? And he said, yes, Julie. And I said, can I just say this is disgraceful? I said, you know, I am where I am because of the support of my teachers and my family and all the rest of it. I said, these people have nothing and this is what they're getting. How are they supposed to pass? What are you giving to them? And he said, oh, when he went on in a big rigmarole, I'm sure, I can't really remember what he said, I was just ready for my, my next answer, and I said, well, look, I said, I'm coming, I said, I'm going to be a teacher, or I'm going to work with kids with dyslexia, and I'm going to change this, 
and he said, Julie, I look forward to seeing you in the future. So I don't know who that man is. I need to go look him up, find out who he is and chase him you down don't have and to... tell him that I made it. But that was, um, I suppose, what drove me to get where I am. So I suppose my college career, you know, the route I took after leaving search, I did two-year PLC course. And then I went on to Tralee IT, which is a fantastic college if anyone's thinking of going there for in terms of support for people with dyslexia. Um, and I did health and leisure there, which changed to peace studies. And then I went to UL to do my HDIP in peace studies, which is uh, also a very good college for dyslexics, by the way. Um, and, you know, after that, then that was a seven year hard slog. I kind of was in the workplace and I'm working now nine years um, looking for something, looking for a master's or some way of improving myself or some way of, of getting into working with children um, and adults with dyslexia. And then this master's popped up uh this year is it DCU or UCD? You know the whole dyslexic mixing up. Which one is it? Shall I answer that one? Please, Donald. Are you, are you offering to answer that, Donald? Because you're the only non-dyslexic in the room, is I it? I am. Yeah, I'm outnumbered. I'm afraid. I think it's DCU this time. Yeah, I'll go for that one. Uh, DCU. So over to DCU for my masters, where um, hopefully at the end of the masters I'll have more of an idea, something tangible to work with people with dyslexia. Um, I suppose that really plays into um. I don't know if you're aware, but in October, we always have Dyslexia Awareness Week. And the theme that we've chosen for um, this year's Dyslexia Awareness Week is shout about dyslexia. So whether that be shouting about your dyslexia in the workplace or at home or in school, um, kind of just being able to talk about your dyslexia and how it affects you and, and take a little bit of ownership and reclaiming the word dyslexia. Um, so I suppose a question that I would have maybe for you in, in your really unique vantage point of, of being a teacher but also being dyslexic would be, do you think that there, that it's important for children to shout about their dyslexia in, in school? Absolutely. You know, I think, I don't know why anybody wouldn't shout about it. Um, I know people have probably all heard this before that people refer to it as a gift, but I genuinely feel it is a gift for me. You know, it is a struggle and it is very hard. I'm not going to deny that. It's the, growing up with dyslexia is tough in school. It's really, really hard and you have to work, I don't know, do you agree, Amy, five or six times harder than everybody else in your class and all the rest? Yeah, it can be, it can be very difficult, but I think as well um, there's an awful lot of benefit to you get kind of nice little superpowers as well. Yeah, love the superpowers. You know, so I do definitely think it's a gift. So I think anybody who is dyslexic does need to shout loud and be proud and, you know, take ownership of it. And the minute that you realise that you are and that there's other people like you out there, you know, there's a lot of support out there. There's, there's a lot of you know, people there to give good advice. And I suppose what I've learned last year is that no one person is the same with dyslexia, which I was kind of upset about. I was hoping to get like a, you know, a new best friend that would be like, did that happen? Did I'll that be happen? your best friend, Julie. <laughs> we'll, we can hold hands. I'll get matching rose glasses. We'll go out on the town. Yeah, no, no, those rose glasses are gone now. There's, Sorry. There's a sheet. I can okay. use a sheet. No problem. <laughs> can I just check if you have superpowers? Does that come with costumes or... I think we could get costumes into the mix. You need a cape, have to have a cape. Always a cape. Yeah, I have a cape. Yeah. I have a home cape and a work cape, so I've choice capes. <laughs> yeah. You can have one of mine. Yeah. But on a serious note, if someone's listening to this and thinking, what are they talking about superpowers? Like they understand maybe dyslexia can cause difficulties with reading and writing, but can you give an example or maybe both of you of a superpower? What do you mean by that? Well, I work with uh, young people with dyslexia, so um, I think just if you were just to look at a group of them, especially if they're together, if there's more than 10 dyslexics in a room, 
I mean, I honestly, I could, would be really hard pushed to find a problem that 10 dyslexics in a room couldn't solve. Um, I think that uh, dyslexics are very much outside the box thinkers. Um, and I think that there's a problem solving ability that um, I try to explain to parents that we don't live in a world that was built for us. So just the world was not built in a way that we can navigate as easily as other people. So every day we problem solve and it becomes an unconscious thing for us. Yeah. Um. So I, I, I often think that that's, and obviously lots of dyslexics, uh, and I don't know if, if this happened to you, we can be best friends, but, has, uh, but people would say, oh, you're dyslexic, you must be a great artist, or you must be brilliant at music. And I was terrible at all those things. So I kept waiting to wake up one morning and like levitate off the bed or something, that my power was going to come at some point. Um, but actually, when I got older, I realized that it was actually it was it was problem solving. And, you know, I was good at speaking. And, you know, there was little things that maybe I just was naturally good at that weren't as as hugely visible as having just one talent. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I agree. And I, I you know, I when people say to you, oh, you must be good at this or you must be good at that. And, you know, funny enough, I was in a very important interview um, about two years ago and, you know, Someone said to me, uh, oh, you must be very good at sport to be able to be a PE teacher. And I just kind of, and this person was in the know of, of you know, dyslexia and the ins and outs of it. And I kind of, I went, no, I'm just hardworking. I just learned what I needed to learn and excelled in that. I said, I'm not good at sport. Yes, I'm fine. I love sport. Sure, that's what I do. But... I'm not, like, if I was any good at it, I'd be on an Irish team, wouldn't I? <laughs> With my superpowers. So, yeah, you know, you have to... I, I do agree, though. It is, like, you know, talking and problem-solving and things like that. Julie, I've got a question I was wanting to ask you. You have insight into the world of being dyslexic as a young person, as a student in school, at college, um, now in a school working as a teacher, what uh, do you think, as an education system, what do you think we should be doing differently to help people, 10% of the population, we've got 90,000 kids out there who are starting school in September, what do we need to do differently as a system, not, not necessarily at a classroom or school level, maybe at a wider level? Well, I think uh, education of teachers is the biggest thing I think education of teachers and parents maybe you know I would I would love to wave my magic wand here and say oh we need to change the leaving search and we need to change the junior search we need to make more focus but that is just it's so far off the radar at the moment that I know they're introducing like PE now is going to be an exam subject next year which is fantastic mm. you know and that is catering for different intelligences and well, not to go on a big rant, but if I hear once more the people saying, oh, it's great that the sporty people can get points for being sporty. I'm like, it's not about that. There's so much more to it. But, you know, well, we won't go into that. That's for another <laughs> podcast. <laughs> but I think, you know, teacher education um, and, you know, support systems for parents, I think is, is very important. Uh, I think, you know, just meeting with people, talking to dyslexic people, you know, who've mm. been in those situations. And as I said, everyone is different, but just... You know, I bumped into a girl recently who's just finished her junior starting going, you know, transition year. And I was just standing with her mom and the two of us were just having a laugh about different things about being dyslexic and this and that and what worked for her and all the rest of it. And the mom was amazed by the end of the conversation. because She was like, I didn't know that. I didn't know that. 
is that you know and there was just so much that hopefully that conversation with that girl helped her with you know that she yeah. that there was someone else in the same position as her you know I, I know I was just a little older than her but you know that she was able to go away and say oh god you know god, she's a teacher and you know she did that and I know we always talk about famous people being dyslexic but they're actually quite removed from us mm. you know they're yes they are famous and they are great and they are fantastic but we're never going to be able to meet them and touch them and have a walk with them you know it's just good to be able to to know that there are other successful people out there maybe yeah absolutely do you find that on parents courses uh, we do a range of parents courses here at the dyslexia association and i know amy does a lot of them and do you find parents find that when we talk about richard branson or people who pass their phd that it can sometimes while it's supposed to be kind of empowering it sometimes takes power away from people because it seems so far in the future or so far away yeah absolutely and i think that actually plays into the idea that i wanted i thought one day i was going to wake up and be levitating off the bed because you kept you keep being told that you're supposed to have this one fabulous gift that's going to make up for the fact that you find reading and writing very difficult um, and when you put sometimes when you put people like Richard Branson up there, it can make a child who's just really struggling just to learn how to do their ABCs. It, it's the gulf between them is so oh, so big that it, it sometimes is much more tangible to point to a child in sixth class who was having the same difficulty as your child is having now in in junior infants, and saying it will take a while, but it will happen. And, and I do the same thing. I kind of talk to them and say, listen, if you had asked my mom when I was 10 what her biggest ambition for me was, it was that I was going to do my junior cert. She just wanted to get me from one point to another um, because you can only do one, you know, one day at a time. Sure. See that, Amy? We are the same. We have to get the capes. You're best. <laughs> Excellent. I'm very excited. There's no closing budget with this podcast, I have to point out. So you'd oh, have to crowdfund that particular... Uh, Maybe social. we could find a dyslexic seamstress. If there's any dyslexic tailors or seamstress out there, please get in touch with the podcast because Julie and I would like some r- really cool capes. I think there is a dyslexia association uh, jump out of an airplane quite soon, so there's a parachute jump, so perhaps that would be an ideal time to test your capes for it. Yeah. That's mm. great. People give you money to do something cool. <laughs> Absolutely. Please sponsor me to do what I've always wanted to do, <laughs> travel around South America. Come here. Um, this is a strange question to ask sometimes to people with dyslexia, some people might think, but um, just because reading and writing is difficult, uh, people with dyslexia can really enjoy literature and enjoy reading and get to that point. It might not necessarily always be uh, doing it in a traditional way. It could be accessing audiobooks. But what would you enjoy reading? What sorts of things do you like, Julie? Or how do you access? Well, I'll tell you a funny story. So growing up, I didn't read. And I suppose that is the biggest thing for me. I absolutely love reading now and I wish I got into it when I was younger. I really do. But the first book I ever read, well, you know, really as as a grown up, if I am even a grown up yet, was um, Russell Carl Kelly's one of his books. And I remember I was traveling and I was in Hong Kong and I left the book in a book swap in Hong Kong. So this person <laughs> has swapped my book. Some could be a Chinese traveler is now trying to make head or tail of Russell Carl Kelly's one of his books but very funny so that was all my... written in the vernacular uh-huh. so that will be nice for someone to try to decode oh. um, but yeah no at the moment I suppose I read anything and everything I suppose I I don't read unless it's my summer holidays I'm being a teacher I have three months of them which is superb but I I find 
reading really tires me. So if I am reading a book at home, I actually, I actually have a Kindle. I'm on my second Kindle. It's great. Love a Kindle. But when I am reading at home, and there's no product placement in this, right? So I'm not going to get any sponsors, no? Other e-readers are available. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, yeah, I, I suppose one of my favourite books uh, recently was I Am Pilgrim. That's probably not very suitable for some of the people reading or listening to this podcast, maybe over 16s. It was amazing. Um, but yeah, I love reading anything now, any good book that gets my attention. But I've, I've, I've kind of read some of the Harry Potter books as well, and I was reading some of the names. I was like, this is great. Their names don't make any sense and all the rest of it. But so, mm-hmm. but you can make up your own names for people like that. So it's great. I tell a story that I uh, went to see the first Harry Potter film and I had been reading the books and I was disgusted that they had changed the name of my favourite character um, because obviously I have a phonetic difficulty because I am d- uh, dyslexic. I was calling her Hermione instead of Hermione and I was like why would they change her name I'm so annoyed so uh, yeah I can completely identify with that yeah. I've had a few similar Julie moments like that I call them where I uh, say things that really don't make any sense and it's because I've read them <laughs> <laughs> so yeah we, we won't get into that no. Amy. there's too no. many too many we wouldn't be friends anymore you think I was a bit nuts <laughs> no absolutely not I think we're well matched um, uh, this is a question that I always like to ask as well um, it's if you could take a magic pill and not be dyslexic anymore would you take it? hmm interesting this time last year if we were having this conversation I would have said 100% no okay. I would not take a pill I'm happy the way I am I'm content I'm you know whatever but I think I until my master's is finished until next year I think I'd like to say yeah like it's you just because I'm still in education yeah you know if I was just in my job and I was working away I would say 100% I am so content everything is amazing but just when you're put in back into the education system and you're working with academics who as much as they would love to understand dyslexia I'm not speaking about my my course or anything like that I'm just you know in the broader sense yeah. of academics the academic world and they just don't understand yeah they just don't get it and mm. I, I suppose that's the the problem with you know every teacher out there not being dyslexic you know I'd say there's very few of us well maybe I'm wrong I'd, I'd love to be corrected on that but you know we need more of us out there to you know to change the way people think about it and to the, change the way people think and you know even read words and read things you know I um, often get approached by teachers who are dyslexic and without fail, every single dyslexic teacher I've ever met has said, I don't suppose there's many of us out there, um, but there needs to be more of us. And there definitely does need to be more uh, uh, dyslexic teachers, but I think you all think that you're the only one. Really? Because no one talks about it. That's it. We just need to shout it out. Exactly. You need to shout about dyslexia for Dyslexia Awareness Week and then just continue that shout just mm. for, for the next few years as well. But it is interesting that, um, you know, people can feel very isolated that they're the only one. Um, and it's because, I suppose, we don't talk about it enough. We don't. I suppose it is quite um, a taboo subject within the academic world, as I was saying, because, you know, I don't know how comfortable parents are going to be with the known fact that their teacher is dyslexic yeah I suppose the common thing is you're sure you can't spell or you can't read how are you supposed to teach my child Mm. you know and I I think that's why maybe we don't speak out enough about it as well 
you know it's it as I said it has I am teaching now nine years and I suppose when I first started I was very proud of the fact that I was dyslexic you know um and it took me up to last year we were having a collaborative session in school and I, I gave a talk and teachers were blown away they were delighted with you know having a little bit of knowledge and, and you know being able to bring it forward but it was still it took me a little while to to build up the confidence as well because there's always the knocks even in adult life there's yeah. always the knocks you know there's people always trying to to better you and, and people don't understand you know people don't by saying something to you they don't realize they're being insulting but they don't understand that you've heard this 50 million times before and you still can't tell the difference between there or there and here yeah and, you know and no matter how many times you're told it's it's not gonna change <laughs> yeah yeah and I think um there is you know people can say things very flippantly like I I can still remember somebody you know just saying something very flippantly to me and I would think about that for weeks afterwards um you know but it's just about kind of I suppose being able to put that aside and and kind of yeah but yeah. I think that's you know Amy I know we've only met now for a short time but you know it, it has to be water off a duck's back yes, doesn't it you absolutely know, you, you have to be able to say look you know what take the higher ground they don't understand yeah leave them off you know that's I'll, I'll get you on the basketball court exactly yeah yeah I mean I'm very uncoordinated so you're gonna have to do that aspect of things Julie you you'll have to get them on the basketball court for me um but I'll I'll be cheering there I'll hold your cape <laughs> I just wanted to ask, we, um, I spent this morning talking to a couple of adults about how they can use technology to help get around their dyslexic difficulties or to help them in their jobs. Do you use much technology yourself or do you work with kids who might use technology to kind of support their dyslexia? Uh, I don't use technology as much as I should. Uh, I, I find setting it up is the main difficulty. Like sometimes I work with Google Chrome a lot now mm -hmm. and I'm finding that easier and I'm kind of getting my, my head around how to use that um, an, an awful lot. But uh, if I am in work and I'm told, Julie, you need to write up a letter really quick to send out to the parents about this, that or whatever, you know, I do it because I have 10 minutes to do it. It has to be proofed. So I am very fortunate to have a very supportive principal who will proof everything for me, change everything around and not make me feel bad about anything. She's fantastic like that. So that's no problem whatsoever. But I would love to get more into the technology where mm. I just sit in front of my computer and I talk and it writes it for me and there I go. Because as we can tell, I, I have no problem talking. <laughs> have you guys got a, a, a word in? This is a remarkable trait of dyslexics. Poor Donald just wanders around this office not able to speak at any time because he's surrounded by dyslexics. Oh, I'm sure he gets a word in. You, Donald? I get three in on a Tuesday and a couple at the weekend. I think. Yeah, it's when we go for bathroom breaks. You're like, you just get them all out in one go. Absolutely. But I think um, the iPhone, I've learned how to just pull down the top of the screen and I can read everything on it for me and all that. I do find, though, when I am reading masses and masses of documents that the voice is the same and I can't concentrate as much as I'd like to. Yeah. So I kind of, you know, I have to vary between reading and listening and reading mm. and listening yeah. and taking a break and having a cup of tea and, you know, takes hours. And that's <laughs> one of the things that we have seen a lot of improvements with. So it's far better than it was when it was a very uh, clunky electronic voice. But I think 
each year that passes, that's getting better and more intuitive and, and more listenable too. So hopefully that yeah. continues to improve because I, I take your point, it can be a little bit monotonous. Yeah, it'd be perfect, you know, or maybe a good idea for me, just just thinking out of the box there as we're sitting here, is, you know, to change the voice from male to female halfway through the document. Yeah. Because I often think that, oh, all these authors of these uh, studies are all the same because the same voice has read it to me. But they're not. Yeah. <laughs> you can get Moira now on iPad. She's a bit mid-Atlantic, but she's oh. kind of, she's doing a fairly solid attempt to put on an Irish accent. Oh, so you girl, could yeah. just mix her into the... Good girl, Moira. Yeah. So Julie, thank you for coming in and chatting to us. It's been absolutely fantastic. I just before we go, is there a bit of advice that you'd like to pass on to listeners to the podcast? Could be mams or dads, or could be dyslexic young people, could be dyslexic adult. Something that you've been told or someone said to you that you'd love to pass on, a bit of inspiration or a bit of advice. Well, it's it's very difficult because as we said that everyone is so different. Um, but just keep going, keep trying. Don't let anyone tell you to you're not able to do something, you know, uh, often people say, you know, oh, there's a way around using that word, use a different word, but if you want to use a certain word, use that word, you know, look it up, like use your iPhone, know how to use that word properly, um, because I suppose that's, that's where we lack, and that's where dyslexic people don't maybe get the higher grades, you know, that little bit of extra grit where, you know, you want to say, something and you 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 dumb down your words just because you can spell those words but don't you know look it up go for it push on and know you're better than you are because you know or that you're better than you're perceived on paper because that's because we are you know we have that little bit of superpowers and you know I'd love everybody to have a mommy and daddy like mine who kept pushing me and kept giving me the words and kept telling me that there's nothing wrong with me and I'm fine and even I suppose after the conversation with my mom the other day when she was telling me as a child and she said Julie like you are amazing you are fantastic you have broken the mold you have pushed through you have beaten every expectation that's ever been given to you like you know in primary school told that you should go to a spe- special school and uh, secondary school told you to do whatever and here you are doing the masters you know if I can do it anyone can do it just keep working and work really hard thanks very much Julie I very much look forward to our matching capes and all of the capers that we're going to get into I'm really proud of that I don't care I'm really proud of it (laughs) if anyone is a dyslexic and has an artistic superpower we will take designs for the dis and dat cape and the winners will be thrown out of an airplane in an airfield near us quite soon oh could it be around Halloween so we can double take on the costumes Fantastic. I'm, I'm never going to take mine off. Oh, Thanks for having me, guys. <laughs> Thanks for coming in. Thanks, Julie.